Hello, and welcome to the third episode of the Parent Playing Video Games Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Castlevania Circle of the Moon. Uh, this uh, came out back in June 11, 2001. Um, it is the first Castlevania I ever actually played, and it uh, it clicked with me. I didn't particularly care too much for the previous Castlevanias, uh, but this one, not sure exactly what uh, compelled me to pick it up. Um, but I did pick it up, and I it really worked really well for me. I really quite enjoyed it. I think it reminded me quite a lot of uh, Super Metroid, um, you know, simply because of that Metroidvania style of game, you know, going around looking for things. Uh, that was different from the previous version of the Castlevania, where it was kind of just uh, more of the arcade version of the game. Funny enough, with this game as well, is that I actually bought it when I was in England, visiting, actually. Um, I remember going down to the shops and actually picking it up, and... After I had gotten it, I realized, or I thought I realized, I'm like, is this going to work? You know, back in those times, um, there was more region locking. So any game that you purchased uh, in England, let's say, may not work on your North American console. And I had a North American Game Boy Advance. Um, so I was, remember actually being there. And I mean, I was maybe, was it 15, 16 at the time kind of thing? And I remember asking uh, the young guy behind the counter at the uh, video game store, uh, saying, hey, you know, I have a I have a Game Boy Advance that's from North America, Canada. And uh, I said, hey, if I get this game, will it will it work? And we're looking at the back of the box, and uh, we couldn't tell. So I mean, we gave it a try, and I mean, obviously it worked, because here I am, kind of thing. <laughs> I remember uh, walking back, thinking and hoping that it would work. And, I mean, back then as well, if I went back there, I feel like you would have been able to give me my money back. Nowadays, if you open a game, you know, it's yours. You know, if you want to give it back, you have to sell it for $3 to GameStop kind of thing. And on the same trip uh, that I was in England, I actually went up to Scotland with my uh, my mom and my stepdad to visit his parents, actually meet them for the first time. And I remember playing it in the room there on the Game Boy Advance by the window, uh, but of course only during the day because the Game Boy Advance didn't have that backlight. So I had to have some form of light and uh, you know, a lamp light isn't really going to do very well with it. So I remember playing that and maybe ignoring the uh, my stepdad's parents maybe a bit too much, but either way, I had a lot of fun. And it was a, obviously a pretty big memory for me and we're in 2023 right now. That's 22 years ago that I remember that and I remember very clearly Anyway, on to what I've been playing. So, uh, previously I was uh, working on that No Man's Sky Expedition Fractal. I did actually end up beating it and I got the little uh, speedster, I think is what it was. Uh, the ship that you get during the expedition was a massively slow uh, ship. It was not very quick, did not maneuver very well, kind of drove um, like a steakhouse versus a bistro. And if anyone gets that reference, please let me know because it's one of my favorites. Anyway, so after you play through it and you get this speedster at the end, it is incredibly nimble, it's incredibly uh, quick and much, much nicer. And a lot of people online, and I see it too, are comparing this little thing to the um, speedster thing that uh, the guys in um, Star Wars Episode Five have on that planet Hoth, where they go around, they loop around the... Uh, AT-ATs or ATSDs, I can never remember which they are, but make some trip. Those things, that's exactly what it looks like. It looks really, really cool. So played that, and then I haven't touched it since then. It's kind of my relationship with No Man's Sky. I kind of just play it so I don't have that fear of missing out on the expeditions. I'm sure one day I'll continue playing or start something new or whatever it may be, but I just like collecting the things that are those timed events. I mean, that's the whole point. 
uh, next I actually started playing Castlevania Circle of the Moon and then I beat it. Um, I, I played this many times before so I just decided to pick it up. Um, I actually picked up the Mega Man X collection as well. Uh, went through Mega Man X, the first one, um, way way harder than I remember. I tried playing Mega Man X 2 and I kind of just, you know when you have those nights where you're playing a game and you're just so frustrated and you just can't enjoy it. I got to that point with it and I said, you know what, I don't want to play this anymore. I bought it while it was on sale. I'm sure I'll go back to it, but I'm just not really too keen. So I decided to pick up this, the Castlevania uh, Advanced Collection, actually is what I played on my Switch. And um, wanted to play this again. And yeah, got straight into it. Really enjoyed it. Played through it. Uh, and now here we are talking about it kind of thing. So it, within this last two weeks, I've you know picked up the game played through it, decided to do the podcast on it. I didn't have this decision made until oh, maybe not even a week ago kind of thing. Um, and since beating Circle of the Moon, I moved on to the second in the advanced collection, Harmony of Dis- Dissonance. Dissonance, yeah. Um, this one I've, I've ver- played very, very briefly, not very far into it before. However, this time around, I've got some time into it and I've explored a good chunk of the map and uh, it's okay. Um, it definitely is um, not as good as Circle of the Moon, in my opinion. Um, the, I don't know, it's just, uh, the jump is one of the biggest things, we're not going to talk about that too much, but yeah, the jump is very floaty, it's weird, the story is, I mean, it's classic Castlevania, but it seems weaker than the other ones, I don't know how, but, by the way, it's still fun, I'm still enjoying it, and I'm excited to get through it to say, hey, I beat it, kind of thing, um, so yeah, that's what I've been playing, I probably will beat Harmony Dissonance fairly quick, it doesn't seem like a big game, um, and then I'm excited actually to move on to Aria of Sorrow, which is the third one in the collection. And that one a lot of people uh, would compare to Symphony in the Night. Um, and Symphony in the Night's probably one of my top Castlevanias, if not the favorite. Um, just that very classic, as where the Vania of Metroidvania comes from. Um, that's why I like that one so much. Okie dokie, let's talk about the gameplay. Um, so, I mean, we go over the story briefly. It's a Castlevania game. If you've ever played one, I feel like you've played most. I mean, I've not played that many, I'll be honest with you, a handful. Um, but, you know, what happens is, you know, Dracula comes back, his castle appears, someone from the Belmont clan, which, funny enough, is not in this game. Um, I actually don't know where this game really lives inside the canon. You play as a guy named Nathan Graves, who is a, uh, kind of like an apprentice to a, uh, master that goes by the name of um, Morris Baldwin. Um, he also has a son, Hugh Baldwin, and to be honest, he's a little bit of jealousy. You know, uh, Morris chose Nathan as his, uh, I guess, protege, apprentice, so on and so forth. And Hugh didn't like that, didn't believe that it was the right choice. So that actually comes into play a little bit throughout the game. Kind of a neat idea. Um, but yeah, as I said, the you know someone says, hey, I want Dracula back. In this case, it's Camilla. She brings Dracula back, a castle appears, and then people go in, defeat Dracula, castle goes away. It's kind of the rinse-repeat classic formula, but as I said, usually it's the Belmonts. So, you know, you have Simon Belmont in there, who is the ones that go through and actually banish them. So it's kind of like always Dracula versus the Belmont clan sort of thing. Uh, but again, this day, uh, this time around, they did tweak it up a little bit. Um, but again, that's really all the story is. Dracula appears, you get rid of him. Simple enough, right? Uh, it's kind of like the Mario story. There's not a whole bunch, but you're happy to hear it. Bowser takes Peach, you get Peach back, done. 
Um, so this one here, as I had already mentioned, is a little bit similar to Symphony of the Night. Uh, it's a previous um, uh, Castlevania game on the PlayStation, and that one has a that's where that Metroidvania came from, the Vania side of it, as I said. And pretty much what it means is uh, my interpretation of it is you're not necessarily in a linear game. You go from level one to two to three to four to five to six, so on and so forth, get to the end of the game. Uh, what you'll do is you'll actually be playing, you'll go find an item, which then will allow you to go to a different area of the map. You can then go go to those different areas, maybe pick up some extra health and, you know, other, uh, you know, MP items or other armor or something like that, extras. And then you continue on in the story and, you know, this part of the castle, I'll say I'm putting over to the left, let's say the left side of the castle. Uh, go there and then you get another item. Well, now you can go back even further again to more areas and you kind of go around and you backtrack. It's kind of what it's going to do. The more items you get that will unlock areas, the more areas you can go to, the more items you can find, more powerful you become, so on and so forth. As your main weapon, when you're going through all this area, you have the whip and that's got classic uh, Castlevania weapon. Um, so yeah, you can give it a whip, you just hit it, whips 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 if you actually hold the button though he'll whip and then he'll hold it and he'll actually spin it around himself does really really low damage but some enemies are not necessarily high health but they're more of an annoyance and they have maybe erratic movement and they have uh low health right and so uh what you can do is you can spin that around and it kind of gives him almost like a little bit of a shield that will hit those enemies for that low damage and if it's you know enough it can take out those little enemies so useful in certain situations but most of the time it's not really that useful the whip is always you know your main whip attack is going to be what your go-to is at least at the beginning of the game um, you then also have uh, what's called sub weapons. Um, so sub weapons will use hearts. Um, so in the game, there's uh, HP, hit points, MP for magic points, and then hearts. And hearts are kind of the ammo for the sub weapons. And depending on what sub weapon you have, uh, when you use it, will determine how many hearts are used to actually, you know, use that weapon. Uh, so we'll go over quickly. There's the dagger. It's literally just a throwing dagger. You throw it. Super weak. Uh, but gives you a bit more range than the whip. Uh, so you can just, you know, shoot some arrows in there. Again, you have a limited amount of the hearts. So you have a limited amount of ammo that you can use. Uh, next one is an axe. And that one kind of is a uh, arcing attack. So it kind of goes up and down. More damage, but not the easiest to hit enemies with because it is that unique pattern. However, on some bosses, it can be really useful because if the enemy or the boss is, you know, maybe not at eye level, kind of with Nathan, if he's a little bit higher up, you can't hit him with the whip without jumping, you can just use the axe and it goes in that pattern to hit him really well. Uh, we have holy water next. I, I never really have used the holy water, <laughs> to be honest with you. It's a vial of water. He throws it on the ground, you know, let's say five feet in front of him, and it just burns a little bit on the ground, then fizzles out. And now if you have maybe a slow-moving enemy or a stationary enemy, that would be good because it just constantly does damage. It ticks away at damage on them, and then if they don't move out of it, then you know they'll eventually either die or the timer on it will run out. You can throw some more on there to kind of double up on the damage as well. Uh, we have the cross next, uh, also called the boomerang, but I mean it's clearly a cross. I think it was called a boomerang maybe to avoid some... Uh, religious ideas of sorts, but I mean, it's Dracula. He's a vampire. It's a. Uh, we've got holy water in here. 
obviously there's you know some sort of religious thing anyway so the cross it uh shoots out and as also called a boomerang goes out and then it comes back and it spins it does really good damage and it's actually my favorite sub weapon of choice so when i get it i generally keep this one i don't ever change to anything else um really good because the bigger the enemy as it passes through them and comes back it'll just keep on hitting them over and over and over again so if you have a large enemy that's kind of slow and lumbering you can throw it across and do massive damage and you can throw just keep throwing them i mean you can have three on the screen at the same time but yeah you can really have get some good damage when you do that and finally you have the stopwatch and the stopwatch is exactly that it stops time i think it's for nine seconds the little timer that appears um very useful in certain situations if you need to get out of somewhere what it does is it freezes all the enemies on the screen so if there's a lot of enemies going around or you know maybe it's just there's hard enemies that you just want to get past you can use the stopwatch to kind of pause them and then you can either attack them or you know run away them from them jump past them whatever it may be and now we get to the unique part of castlevania circle of the ring the really quite you know what makes this game different from a lot of others is the dss which is the dual setup system so how it works is that you have cards that drop from certain enemies um, and what they are is there's 10 action cards and 10 attribute cards um, so I'm gonna go through them all but for an example the action cards it's actually they're based off of Roman gods and goddesses the names of them and then the attribute cards are creatures from Greek or Roman mythology Mercury is an example of one of the action cards and Salamander is an example of the um, attribute card and when you combine them together what's gonna happen is it will change your whip to fire and so how that works is Mercury is the one where it changes your whip to an element and salamander is your fire element so as you have all of them so all the attribute cards there's fire ice plant earth stone poison wind lightning holy and dark so for an example if you match up mercury and the elemental change to the whip it will change your whip to any one of those elements um, it will also change a little bit of things like you know if you go to the plant one it'll actually extend it just a tiny bit and then the very end of it is kind of like a uh, rose with thorns so when you hit them with the majority of the whip you do good damage it's improved however if you hit with just the end of it where it's the rose petals you actually do substantially less damage we'll go through a little bit more of them as well uh, earth uh, what that one's going to do is that when you shoot that it's very slow but the range is much uh, much more lightning you can hold down the whip and instead of spinning it it'll just hold the whip in place it'll actually do increased damage or sorry decreasing damage i should say it starts off high and then slowly each ticket gets lower and lower just a little bit of a unique mechanic so the rest of the cards as i said the attribute cards are very straightforward they're just elements the action cards this is where it gets really cool so for instance uh or we'll start from the top so as i said mercury is going to be your elemental change to whip uh, next one is venus that's more of stat changes so for an example if you match venus with salamander you just have an increased damage i think it's 25 percent if you match it with serpent which is your ice you're going to have increased defense uh, again different ones will do that jupiter is going to be defensive enhancements um, so this one here is where you can have uh, things around you so maxing with that salamander again i'm probably gonna use salamander as the biggest example uh, you'll do that it'll actually have a couple fireballs two fireballs that will go around you if enemies get hit by them they just do damage um, 
what's next on my little list here? Oh, uh, Mars. This one's really cool. Mars I like a lot. I uh, actually played it a lot with Mars and Mandragora, which is plant. That one changes my weapon into a big plant sword. So instead of a whip kind of shooting, you know, a little bit of an arc and then straight out, the sword is a giant arc, similar to the axe. It's a big, big arc. But again, because it's a rose sword, it has the same effect. If it's right on the tip of the sword, it's going to do less damage. Main part of the sword, it does more. Uh, Diana is going to add some projectiles to the whip. So if you shoot that with the salamander, a little fireball comes out. Apollo throws explosives. This one, I'm not a fan of. It's kind of... I mean, it changes the game a lot. Let's put it that way. And that's kind of cool. But I, I never used it. It was too difficult to use, and you didn't really get anything out of it. Like, you would throw, let's say, a little bomb at someone, or an ice ball. They just didn't change that much, and they were... It wasn't just you would attack. You actually kind of do had to do a... I think it was down, right, up, or down, left, up, depending on the direction you're facing. And you did that, and then it shot. The problem with that is that it that takes time to do, and if you don't do it properly, the way you use your sub-weapons, if you hold up and press attack, well, if you don't trigger it properly, you just actually end up using your sub-weapon. I found it more hassle than anything. I mean, it was cool to see, but I never used it in any real situation. Uh, Neptune is next on our list. That one's really handy in very specific situations again. It makes you immune to a matched element. So for an example, um, later on near the end of the game, there's wind demons that have a very what seems like erratic attack pattern like they shoot out these big um like circles of wind uh coming at you and they're random they kind of home in on you and so what i like to do because i have a hard time with them i just match the neptune up with griffin and that will give me uh, immunity to wind uh, however when you do these um, there's my MP ticking down while it's active, but then when I get hit, it actually takes a chunk of MP away. So it's not like it's an infinite thing, but, you know, to get through the hard room that I use it for, it, it works perfectly fine. Saturn is next on our list. Uh, Saturn creates a familiar, um, if you're not familiar with familiars, haha. Uh, it's just like a little floating creature that sits around with you. Depends, again, on which one you have. Uh, Uranus... <laughs> summons a matched creature so you summon it with salamander you get a salamander you summon it with thunderbird you get a thunderbird now this one again is very similar to apollo and that the throwing of the explosives and the items is that you have to do that you know down right up command uh, however this one is worth it because not only, it does cost a lot of mp for each one but for instance thunderbird spoiler that's how i beat dracula i had a really hard time in uh, the final phase of Dracula, and that's how I did it. And it does huge damage across the whole screen, and you're immune while it's casting. So for a couple seconds, you're immune, you're doing huge damage, and it's all across the screen, even outside of the screen. It'll actually hit a little bit outside. Um, so because in the final phase, it's a little bit erratic, that makes a huge difference. Very handy. And then the last card of the action cards is Pluto. This one does random stuff. All of the different things, instead of it being like a fire thing, or an ice thing, or an earth thing, or whatever it may be, uh, this one here is just very random. The one I want to point out is Pluto and Black Dog, which is the dark card. It makes you a skeleton. However, you die in one hit. But the, you think, well, why would I ever use it? So when you shoot... You, what you do is you actually act like one of the skeletons earlier in the game. You kind of throw a bone in the same pattern as the axe, that arcing pattern. But what happens is you throw a little bone, little bone, little bone, and then randomly you'll throw a giant bone, which hits 
I'd say maybe like 75% of the screen, it goes same pattern. When you do that, it does massive damage. So it's kind of a risk reward thing. You're taking the chance, of course, you know, one hit, you die, but you may be able to take out even bosses in two hits if you get them with the two big bones. So again, very much that risk reward. So that's it for the cards. Um, for myself, when I'm playing the game, uh, as I said, I mean, starting at the very beginning, you get the Mercury and the Salamander pretty much right in the first area, and you get it early. Like, those drop um, uh, chances are quite high. So those ones, yeah, I have that on to use. It just bumps your damage up a little bit, and it gives you that fire ele elemental, so it's good against certain enemies. But it's nice to have the extra damage. Um, as time goes on, when I would play it back in the day, I would use uh, Jupiter and I believe it was Manticore, which is a poison one. And what that did was around Nathan, um, it would kind of make a... And it would be like, you know, flashes of poison around him in big squares. And so um, earlier I had said, you know, you hold your whip and it becomes that shield. This kind of helps you have that even more. It is very, very low damage, but because it's all around him at all times, if you're jumping around and there's the classic enemy in Castlevania, the Medusa heads, and they go from left or right, or left to right or right to left, and they kind of go in like a sine wave pattern, and when they hit you in classic Castlevania's fashion, if you're jumping, you just get shot across the screen, and you fly back until you hit a wall, and then you hit the ground. And so with this here, if you're jumping in an area that has a lot of these, such as the clock tower, um, then you can kind of avoid that massive knockback. Um, again, handy, it's defensive, all that fun stuff. But in this time I played it, in the last couple days here, I, I didn't really use that too much. I went with the Mars, which was the sword, or the, the changing of your uh, weapon, and that Mandragora, so it gave me that rose sword. I don't know why, it just seemed to work well. It gives you a little bit more strength, does some good damage, uh, good range, and a good sort of um, pattern of attack kind of thing. Instead of that whip, it's, as I said, that sword. So, very handy. And then, of course, as I said, um, I, I had a really hard time with Dracula. I mean, I could have probably leveled up, maybe looked for some other items, so on and so forth. But I stuck with the Uranus and the uh, Thunderbird to summon the Thunderbird. And it like it made it very, very easy to uh, beat Dracula. However, I um, I was okay with that. <laughs> kind of, I wanted to try out the next game uh, for an example. So uh, we also have outside of those cards, you have the relics, and these are kind of where the Metrovania um, sort of definition or I guess usage comes in. The relics are what let you progress through the game. So there's a few. And they're all very straightforward. Uh, so the first one is Dash Boots. This doesn't help you progress through the game um, more. It just helps you progress through it faster. You, I think it doubles, if not even more so, uh, your speed, your running speed. So you double tap in one direction or the other, and now you're running in that direction. The next thing is called Double. That's it. It's just called Double. It's a terrible name. What it does, it allows you to do a double jump, though which is uh, very important. That definitely allows you to advance further in the game. Without that, you are pretty stuck early on. Uh, we have Tackle next, and that one there destroys stone blocks. So some areas are blocked by just a square of stone. You run up to it, you tackle it, and it goes and blows up. Again, very simple. Kick Boots, this one here is a wall jump. So you run up to a wall, kick off with it, and you can do that as many times as you want. Uh, it doesn't cost anything, 
and it's super easy. I think you actually just hold the uh, R button on the controller and it just does it automatically for you. Whereas something like Super Metroid, definitely a learned skill to do that. Uh, we have Heavy Ring, so similar to the stone blocks that uh, are blocking an area, you also would have wooden crates. The Heavy Ring allows you to push those out of the way. Cleansing, uh, in an area, um, I can't remember exactly what it's called, underground waterway, something like that, uh, there's water there that is red. And if you go into it, you just constantly take damage. I mean, you'd never be able to get even a tiny bit into it without dying. Uh, cleansing actually cleans the water. So when you go there, it becomes blue, doesn't do damage to you anymore. Uh, Rock Wing is pretty much the last real item. It gives you like a super jump. So you hold up and you press R and you shoot up, I'm going to say, you know, four or five screens. And you can do that again as many times as you want. Hit the ceiling and then kind of bounce off of it kind of thing. Uh very very handy to get to all the rest of the game kind of thing and also just even general a good way to avoid attacks uh the very last relic which i mean i guess yes technically is progression it's called the last key it pretty much opens dracula's door gets you to the last you know the boss fight kind of thing so speaking of the boss fight for dracula specifically uh Again, I'm pretty sure I remember other uh, Castlevanias. They all kind of have a similar idea. There's a few phases kind of thing. So the first phase, honestly, super easy. Kind of a face roll almost. You just take him out. I do the you know the cross a few times and he's down. The second one, though, is a big sort of hulking monster. Does a lot of damage. Um, the first phase of that, fairly easy. And the second phase is where I just had a lot of hard time... Uh, he'll charge at you, and I think the only way to avoid it is using the rock wing with that super jump. You shoot up super high, and then after he does that a few times, he becomes an eyeball with giant bats around him. And that's the part, it's really hard to get close enough with your whip to actually hit him. So you have to use other weapons. So I tried with the sword, same sort of thing. I can get him sort of, but I was hitting him with the pedal, so I wasn't really doing any damage. Um, and so, and the bats would sometimes break off and come at you, not at a tremendous speed, but if you're mid-jump and one kind of comes towards you, you can avoid it. That's that. So that's really where the, uh, summoning of Thunderbird came in handy. I had to summon that a handful of times and he was done. Again, I mean, maybe I would go back and play it and maybe not cheese the final boss, but it is what it is. So outside of the relics, you also have, uh, things like HP up, so it increases your max HP, MP up, same thing, and then hearts up. So you have those three kind of power-ups, those permanent power-ups. Uh, so obviously the more of those you have, the easier it'll be. You also level up in the game. You have those RPG elements. Uh, so you have things like, you know, your strength, your intelligence, your defense, and your luck. Uh, they're all fairly straightforward. Strength is physical attacks. Intelligence is magic attacks, like the uh, summoning of uh, the, you know, different creatures. Um was you know all defense obviously defense how much you can defend against how much damage you can take and then of course is luck and luck is the the more luck you have the higher chance of an enemy dropping an item and i believe every enemy if not every but most have two things that they can drop a common item and a rare item and of course the ones that you want are all the rare items so yeah you'll have to kill a lot of enemies over and over and over again to get those rare drops the cards are generally a rare drop um, as I said, I think Mercury and Salamander are probably not, but if they are, it's a very common rare drop, if that makes any sense. Um, so luck's always nice to increase as much as you can, but I also kind of focus on mainly on defense uh, more than anything and the physical damage, uh, just because then I can just take more and take more damage, do more damage. But the higher luck, the less time you're kind of grinding to find any really good items. Um, 
speaking of really good items, the best armor in the game, way at the pretty much when you're before you fight Dracula, of course, uh, is you have to go through what's called the battle arena, and it's seventeen rooms, and it's just one after another, pretty much. There's no real breaks in between, like there's a bit of a break, but there's no increasement. Like you can't get any health back. There's no save point. There's nothing like that. It's just a handful of hearts. So in between each room or most rooms, uh, you can do you get fifteen hearts and. I don't remember how much. I think the cross, uh, when you throw that, the boomerang cross, that takes six hearts. So if you use it, you know, three times in one of these rooms, you've already kind of used up all the hearts that you would get back. But you, the reason this is really hard is because there's no DSS. So remember I said I was using the sword and I was using summonings and, you know, whatever other enhancement I want. Even if I just want just more defense, I can't use that in this room. And... All the enemies are much stronger. They have more health, they do more damage, and they have more defense. So your whip that normally would do, let's say, you know, 135 damage on this enemy in the real world, let's say, even with no DSS, you go in here and now you're doing 75 and they have more health and they hit you harder. And the first couple rooms aren't terrible, but like you get some really, really difficult ones. Now... You can, of course, grind and get better and better and better uh, to get through this room or through the rooms, the whole arena. And when you do get through it all, you get the shinning armor. And it is shinning because there was a typo I found out. Uh, it's supposed to be shining, of course, but it is the best armor in the game. Most amount of defense actually increases the rest of your stats by a good amount, too. Um, easiest or the best armor for sure to get. But again, like... And maybe because I cheesed Dracula, but you don't really need the battle arena to get the best armor for the game for Dracula. The best armor for the game really would be for the battle arena. So it's kind of like once you beat it once, then you can do it easier, I guess. Uh, but there is kind of a reason for that, I think, as well, is that um, the two uh, best, or I guess the last two um, attribute cards, yeah, attribute cards, uh, is Unicorn and Black Dog. And that's holy in the uh, dark. And those are actually in room 15 and 16 of the battle arena. Now, when you go through it, you can't just say, well, I'm going to go to room 15. Or you don't start where you died last. You start at the beginning every single time. Even when you complete the battle arena and you get that armor, you then, when you want to, let's say, go back and try and get the unicorn, you have to go through the whole thing again. So it is a lot of work. To get those last two cards in the game. And while you're doing this and you're going through the rooms again. The nice thing with the, even though the enemies are harder and they hit harder. They actually give more experience too. So it's not just like you're on the losing end. You get more experience. So I mean it's not bad. You do it a bunch of times. You're going to level up fairly quick. So I mean you do get some benefits out of it of course. Right? You get more experience. So let's say you know you beat in the game. You, you kill Dracula. Everything's groovy. It actually tells you, I don't know if it's before or after the credits, but it actually says that, hey, you've beaten the game, congratulations. Now what you can do is you can play using this name to be the magician. Um, uh, you have to, what you do is you actually title the game differently and based on the name of your, or sorry, not title the game, title your, your character's name based on what you uh, want to play as. So for instance, the normal mode, which is Vampire Killer, that's your, you know, let's call it a class. Uh, so Vampire Killer, it doesn't matter what your name is, whatever it is. Uh, if you want to play as the Magician, then you have to put in Fireball as your name. 
you can rename it so it doesn't have to stay as fireball um so yeah the different modes that you can play and also let's say for instance you play vampire killer the original mode fresh out of the box you beat it you can now play as magician once you beat magician then you can play as fighter once you play as and beat as fighter you play as shooter once you beat a shooter you can play as thief so uh and to break down them so the magician you have all the cards in the game and that's what what i was going to say is that to get unicorn and black dog in the battle arena is super difficult but if you beat the game normally you can still experience them without having to kind of grind it out so you have all the cards in the game and you have a lot more intelligence but your other stats are low you have a lot more mp as well so with this generally yeah you're most likely going to summon in most rooms in the game or you may use a few other little things but again for the most part you're probably just going to summon and because you have the mp because you have the intellect or intelligence um it is definitely the easier way to play through the magician after you beat the game with the magician as i said you get the fighter now this one is kind of the exact opposite of magician you have no cards you can't even get any cards in the game they just don't drop however you have very high strength and i think you have better defense too uh, but with that, it's kind of like how I would play the game in, uh, you know, that Vampire Killer normal mode. Is that I just generally focus on doing the physical attacks anyway. So Fighter is actually, I think, the easiest way to play the game. Uh, because you just kind of hammer everything with damage kind of thing. Uh, once you beat an Fighter, then you get Shooter. Shooter is where it's more focusing on the sub-weapons. So you have a lot more hearts in the game. So you have more ammo for your sub-weapons. The cost of the sub-weapons is halved, so you have more ammo and it's cheaper to use uh, and then you also have the option of having the magic dagger so one of those sub weapons that i said earlier the magic or the dagger when you pick up a second dagger while having it you get the magic dagger which is same thing but it's homing uh, so it makes it i wouldn't say well technically easier in some way but the shooter is not the funnest of them i think all of them are fun and i have one more to talk about all of them are fun in their own way but the shooter is kind of a it's all right it's the sub weapons are not the highlight of the game they're very very sub optimal kind of thing uh other than the boomerang slash cross on bosses but during normal fighting i would never use the cross because it's quite expensive and it's kind of overkill for most enemies uh so once you've done the shooter you get the last uh, mode slash class and that's the thief so for an example every other uh, mode starts with a hundred luck and i don't know what i ended up as with uh, my luck on my other character but maybe a couple hundred nothing too crazy my defense was something like a thousand my strength was probably like five or six hundred something like that as a thief you start with 1600 luck so it's a massive massive amount of luck and so what that does of course is increases your drop chance substantially uh you pretty much because as you play you'll pretty much just be picking up items almost on every single enemy that you attack rare items are no longer really rare they're actually fairly common just because your increase of luck has made it so much easier so my i don't know which one i have as a favorite as i said when i played through it just this time recently i just played through vampire killer i unlocked the magician and that's it didn't start it um, but I, I played them before over the years. I would say I like the Magician because you get access to all the cards, and I think that's neat. You get to see all the different things. Uh, the Fighter is nice because it is just kind of a beefed-up way to play how I normally play. 
Um, I th- I think the thief is actually probably one of the coolest because, yeah, you're just constantly getting items and even things like you know potions and ways to increase or not increase your health, sorry, but recover health and recover from things like you know being poisoned or cursed. That is hugely important in the game, and you usually don't get a huge amount of those items. So the thief actually makes it kind of nice. You get a lot of them. So, I if I were to rank it, I would say fighter then Thief, then Magician, then Vampire Killer, then Shooter. I don't know. Shooter's kind of boring is really what it is. So I don't really have it in there. So, yeah. So, again, the only thing is you have to beat, again, Vampire Killer, Magician, Fighter, Shooter, and then you get Thief. So if you want to play Thief, I can't just put in the name for Thief, which off the top of my head I don't know what it is. Uh, I can't just put that in. I have to actually beat the game. So even if you're like, oh, I beat the game, I'm going to look up what it is, and because the game tells you normally after you've beaten the previous, I'm going to look it up and put it in. It won't actually work. You'll just be Vampire Killer until you've beaten the previous one. So, Which I think is actually kind of nice, and it creates a lot of replayability with it too. So we'll get into that in the time commitment a little bit more as well. So, Okay, so again, next category now we have is our music. Um, so I do like to start off with the composers. Um, there, from what I can tell, are three composers to this game. It looks like some worked on some tracks, some worked on the other kind of thing. Uh, so I will attempt their names as it uh, looks like they're all Japanese. So we have Sotaro Tojima, Hiroshi Mitsuoka, and Taro Kudo. Um, so the music in the game I quite like. Um, I believe it could probably have been improved if it wasn't on the Game Boy Advance. The Game Boy Advance sound and music to me has always kind of been a, you know, a Wish version of the Super Nintendo. A lot of Super Nintendo games were also ported to the Game Boy Advance. Like, for instance, you know, last time we talked about Final Fantasy VI, that was ported over there and the music was heavily uh, stunted or butchered. It just wasn't as good, especially when you had the Super Nintendo original sort of in your head already. Um, the Game Boy Advance version was just quite poor. However, with that in mind, um, is that I believe they did an absolutely fantastic job in utilizing the Game Boy hardware or Game Boy Advance hardware um, in a way to make some really good songs. Um, I don't believe there's ever been a remake of this game. No, I don't think so because it's only been released on Game Boy Advance and then this Advance Collection, uh, which just, it's funny, on the Switch I... You go into the settings, you go to sound, and it says, do you want to use high-quality sound? I tried it, tried it on, tried it off, sounded the exact same to me. Now, maybe if I had headphones or maybe I was playing on my TV, it would make a difference, but I have the high-quality sound on. still sounds good. Like, it's not bad or... I don't really notice it. Let's put it that way. So, the as I said, the hardware was limited, but it still had great tracks. Uh, so, a couple of my favorites. The first one, and it is... Definitely my favorite Castlevania song of all time. And every time I hear it, I'm super happy to hear it. It's called Awake. And it is kind of the first song you hear, actually, is uh, when you first start the game, you get into the first real area called the Catacombs. You don't have music before this when you're playing. And it just kicks in, and it is just like that instant nostalgia trip. Like, it takes me back to playing, you know, at that window in Scotland. And I just, I love it all the time. Um, there's some really, really good remixes on OC Remix as well. Um, I'll throw a couple of those on the description there uh, of uh, Awake. And some of them, there's there's quite a few, but they're all really, really great. I just, I know I'm kind of blabbing about it. It's just such a great song. 
Uh, next on my list, I have Aquarius. It has a cool, kind of a funky baseline to it. Um, it just sounds fun. The area that it's in is fun to uh, play through as well, so it's kind of a fun time. Uh, and then the last one I have on my list here is Vampire Killer. Now, if you've played any other Castlevania, I believe this is in... I don't know about most of them, but quite a few of them. It's a really great tune. Um, and again, even though the hardware was limited, they do a really good job with what they have. Next up, we have our time commitment. Uh, so I've played the game a few times. So I'm going to start with what my own personal uh, time commitment of this game is. Uh, so in this instance, I played through the game. And I got... Uh, uh, I think it was 94% of the map completed, which is only one metric, of course. I didn't get all the items, I didn't get all the cards, all that stuff. I got all the core items, of course, those relics. Uh, but I did that, and I got it, and I beat the game in 5 hours, 25 minutes. Um, didn't really look through a walkthrough. I did look at a few strategies, you know, you know, a few ways to kill a couple bosses. But for the most part, I kind of did it solo kind of thing. With the Castlevania Advanced Collection, it does have some nice quality of life uh, changes, and one of those things is the save states. Uh, a lot of games obviously are doing that. I have no shame in doing save states. I think they're fantastic, as long as you don't... Well, again, you play however you want. I'm not going to save scum kind of thing where I go back over and over and over again. Uh, but it is handy to... Again, I, I don't have a huge amount of time to play, so if I can save right before a boss then I can do that quick, challenge the boss. If I have a really hard time with it, well, then I'll just go on. But if I just want to be like, okay, well, I'll try again. Okay, I'll try again. The save state's just handy with that. So, I mean, even if I didn't use save states, I doubt I'd even hit the six-hour mark. Uh, the amount of times that I really needed, that was pretty slim. Um, and then also you have an encyclopedia in the uh, Castlevania Advanced Collection. So what that is, um, it shows you a whole bunch of things. Uh, it shows you, oh, I think, all the items in the game... Uh, the all the cards in the game oh sorry all the items all the equipment all the enemies and then the dss combos so you know as i keep using this one that mercury and salamander combo makes you have a flame whip it gives you every single one so all 100 combos in a sense 10 times 10 and you can see all of them so when you normally get a new card and you want to use it it's still question marks until you actually use it you won't actually know what it does it won't give you a description uh which for most of them not a big deal but some of them makes no sense especially the ones like the summon if you don't know how to do the summon you may never actually know that you may never actually be able to figure that out so the encyclopedia was handy with that where i'm like okay well if i want to do you know, I knew I wanted to get Thunderbird. I already knew that from the previous one. I couldn't remember exactly which card it was to get. Well, I can go through that and be like, oh, okay, well, here's the cards I need. And then I can flip over to the enemy side of the thing and see uh, which enemy has that card. Uh, it doesn't tell you the location of the enemy. That's not the end of the world. But it gives you, I think, the HP, how much experience it gives you, and then the two different types of drops. So that drop one, drop two, common versus rare. And the... Uh, element that they are so if they're like you know a wind element or fire element you can kind of flip it around on them fire i'm guessing ice would do better it makes sense so the encyclopedia was very handy for for me to just go through there it's kind of like a built-in wikipedia i didn't have to pull up my phone for that uh so i i mean i appreciate those things any any game that has a lot of that information built in i think is nice i don't really want to go on a wikipedia page usually they're filled with ads or it's poorly formatted on the phone so it's nice to be able to just see it right inside um, the other side of that is that the the different replayability with the extra modes is handy. Um, obviously, you don't have to do 
all the modes. I think it was uh, one, two, three, four, five modes in total, including that normal vampire killer mode. You don't have to do all of them, but if you wanted to, sure. Let's say to make it easy, five to eight hours per. We're looking at, wow, slow math, apparently. Um, five times, five, 25, 30 hours. Wow. There you go. 25 to 30, 35 hours sort of thing to let's say do all the modes in not a 100% fashion at all. Um, when it comes to that, of course, is our fantastic website, that How Long to Beat. Um, the main story, they say, is roughly about nine hours. A completionist is 16.5. Now, I would say the completionist is not all five modes. It's probably just one mode to get all the items, what they would say is complete. So probably all the health up, all the actual, you know, armor and uh, relics, or not relics, but uh, armor and accessories in the game. Um, I wouldn't think that completionist is all five modes, because that would be incredibly quick, 16 and a half hours to do all five. But again, gives you an idea. So yeah, nine nine hours to do the main story. As I said, I, I don't, I couldn't tell you where I need to go next, but um, I just knew kind of that muscle memory sort of thing I'm like oh okay I remember this oh I remember this area you know how to get through here how to get through there and then like even as well as like I remember when I saw the bosses I'm like oh yeah I remember this boss I know how to take him down um so yeah that helps I think when it comes to uh, beating the game of course in a reasonable amount of time uh being that I played it on the switch it was very much a pick up and play um I mean it played fantastic on the switch it looks really really good it nice and crisp pop graphics so uh next on to the speed run so <laughs> this one here is kind of cool so I went through it and there's three categories there's all bosses any percent and completionist um all bosses and any percent you can play they have different like almost like subcategories let's call it with each mode um, I, Thief isn't generally used on most of them, um, but yeah, you'll have a different time for Vampire Killer, different time for Magician, Fighter, and Shooter, and so on. Uh, so, and then the last one, that Completionist, no one does that unless you're Thief. And I mean, that makes sense. If you have to get every single item in the game, like absolutely every single thing, why would you not play as the character that has drops on almost every single kill it just makes more sense to get all the cards those they are rare drops like on some of them i had to kill enemies you know dozens of times and the less time you can spend on that the quicker you can do it get a better run so this is also funny as well all three of the times that i have all three world records for these are by the same person jupiter climb um i actually was very confused and i was talking to my wife about it and i said okay well the all bosses is 25 minutes but the any percent is four hours i'm like that doesn't seem to make any sense like how is any percent which is usually way way quicker so much long so much longer than all bosses all bosses sounds like it takes a lot more and i read it wrong it's actually four minutes so you know i guess i was tired or hungry or something but so the all bosses for vampire killer mode and and uh, that one is 25 34 any percent with vampire killer four minutes 39 not four hours and then completionist with thief is one hour 25 so uh i actually was watching uh one of these um there was another one called nuclear it was kind of another mode and i was very confused and i didn't particularly understand what it was and i guess there's a glitch that a whole bunch of weird things happen i don't i didn't look too far into it but pretty much it allows you to um kind of make your area of damage be the screen and maybe a little bit more of the whole screen and you just do four nines to everything that comes in the screen so pretty much the nuclear ones i think i saw 
him do one i think it was uh, the run was 18 minutes i didn't watch it all but i was just amazed by the whole thing he pretty much runs through the whole game just runs through the game you don't have to attack anything because everything you just do quad nines i don't even think dracula himself or any other enemy in the game has more than that much damage or sorry that much health and even if they did that damage just happens instantly so it'll probably just happen twice and they're dead so every single enemy in the game the most difficult enemies you just walk through um i thought it was kind of neat it would be kind of cool to play as like a little showcase thing uh but i mean the glitch looks i mean fairly complex for me to do Again, I didn't look too far into it, but I thought it was really neat. Uh, I definitely recommend looking at the uh, the regular ones, the non-super glitchy ones. Um, any percent is like, there's like screen warps that happen. It was pretty crazy because when he got that 439, I watched that one because it's less than five minutes. He did that. His best time prior to that was 54 seconds slower. So it was roughly, let's say, 535 or something like that. Um, it was insane how quick he got it, but it was incredibly luck-based. So, I mean, maybe it'll get beaten, maybe it won't. But it was super, super luck-based, and he just had really, really good luck. Now, earlier I had said that I picked up this game, played through it all, and I beat it, and then I said, you know what, or near the end of it, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do the podcast on this one. Um, I didn't honestly think too hard on that. I'm like, oh, I just I really like this game, I want to share my thoughts on it, so on and so forth. But being the parent playing video games podcast, I, <laughs> I kind of said, didn't think too hard on that parent part of it so on our section now the kiddable section um i wouldn't say this game is super kiddable uh maybe an older kid that has played through a couple games such as super mario world or mario brothers any other side scrollers they could start working on this but it, it is not an easy game uh from what i remember and what i know of castlevanias in general are not really that easy so they're not the easiest for a kid to pick up i know i've said easy many times but it's not that easy i swear so uh, it's not, they can't just pick it up and start playing like a Mario game, in my opinion. Um, the controls are simple because, again, 2D side-scroller controls make it easier. You only have that two dimensions to walk through. Um, the game starts off slow, but I remember getting to a part very, very early in the game. I believe it's, uh, let me count now, one, two, it's a third screen that you get to, and I could not get past this enemy. I thought it was a boss. And I'm like, I'm doing something wrong. I cannot kill him. I also didn't realize that there was a save point earlier. I missed it. I actually kept restarting the game over because I never got a chance to save. So every time I died, there was never a save file. So I just had to create, I had to keep starting the game over. And I got frustrated with it. I'm like, I don't know how to do this, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, I eventually got through it obviously but yeah, it isn't really a pick up and play kind of game. Uh, it does take some time to get the nuances of it um but as you get later in the game it is just a challenging game but you should be kind of you know aware of how to play it and understanding controls a little better and you know again using the different cards and having those different techniques makes a big difference as well but yeah when i first started playing it i found it quite hard and i mean as i said i was 15 16 at the time it's not like i was five or six years old but um kids these days you know they're uh, pretty uh, pretty handy with the games so i feel like yeah, if they wanted to put in the time and uh, it caught them, then sure. But I just, I feel like a lot of kids may actually just kind of, I mean, I don't want to say give up on it per se, but I think they would be more of, uh, eh, I got other things I'd rather play kind of thing. Would I want to play a game that's 23 years old, 22 years old right now? Or would I rather play something new? I don't know. But um, the safe states make a big difference, obviously. Because again, just like how I was using them, and I'm 38, 
Uh, I don't think there's an age limit on that, right? Is that like I, I wanted to, you know, make sure this area was good, or I was a little bit, you know, I was in a hairy situation, so I do a quick save state, and if I did die or if I needed to do something, I could go back to it. Um, I think with enough time and practice, um, I could probably work on it. Uh, and as well as the more you play it, or not necessarily the more you play it, but the more enemies you kill, the more levels you get. Therefore, the more health you have, the more damage you do, the more defense you have. So, I mean, yeah, eventually you're going to be better because you may not take less hits or... Uh, yeah, you may not take less hits, but you will do more damage with every hit you do, and you can take more damage. So just naturally you're going to get or have an easier time with them, even if your skill level doesn't change, for instance. And finally, we have the conclusion. Um, so the first two games that I talked about, um, I can't believe it's only been two. It feels like it's been more, but uh, yeah, the first two games that I've been talking about, I, I gave 10 out of 10 on both. Uh, if you haven't listened to those, please go back and listen. But hey, there's your spoiler, I guess. So uh, this one, I'm not going to give it 10 out of 10. Uh, I'm still going to give it a good score. Don't get me wrong. It is... Um, Probably my first or second favorite game in Castlevania. Uh, I bounce between this, Symphony of the Night, kind of depending on the mood that I'm feeling kind of thing. But I would give this an 8 out of 10. Um, the controls are tight. Um, the graphics are uniquely Game Boy Advance. And that is not a bad thing per se. Um, they just did a really good job with the hardware they had. And what's really cool with this is too, is that I believe this is one of the uh, earlier games in the Game Boy Advance uh uh, lineup as well so they kind of had a they didn't have a huge amount of time to work and improve upon um, later games actually as I said I'm playing Harmony of Dissonance I actually like the graphics in Circle of the Moon better and that's probably the nostalgia talking because in Harmony of Dissonance they were able to put in some actual three-dimensional stuff some stuff that they actually pulled from Symphony of the Night which is incredibly impressive because this is a Game Boy Advance game Symphony of the Night was PlayStation 1 um, so anyway back to this uh, as I said 8 out of 10 it's my first Castlevania so maybe it's got a little bit of a uh, you know nostalgia point on there um, but the dual setup system is cool it gives you a whole bunch of different sort of options there's technically a hundred uh, but I mean, you know, a fire whip versus a ice whip, you know, a fire sword versus an ice sword. I mean, they're not that varied kind of thing. Um, but I mean, I did find myself using all sorts of different skills. So that was, you know, neat. The, the music in it, as I said, Awake, and I've already said it before, but I'll say it again. Just it is such a good song. I will put it on repeat and I will just listen to it. I mean, I'm pretty sure I have a YouTube uh, video where someone made a 30 minute version of it and it just repeats and uh, it's probably one of my most played videos that I play uh, if I'm doing homework or at work or something like that it's just I like having that on um, so yeah the as I said 8 out of 10 pretty good score I think in my opinion um, definitely recommend you playing it. and again like you can play it now on switch uh, I was debating on getting on switch or the playstation but I mean uh, something like this is not demanding so why wouldn't you just get it on switch you know it's the Switch is a great console for that. Plus, I take it to work and I play it at lunch, if I can. So it's great. So, yeah, I mean, you can play it on Switch. You can play it on PlayStation. I'm almost certain it's on Xbox. Uh, I believe it actually is on Steam as well when I was looking around at it earlier. Um, so, yeah, there's tons of ways to play it. It is, And it comes in the collection. So, I mean, that's not only one game. That's actually, I think... Four. I don't know if all of the versions have that, but the Switch version has a fourth one, which I don't know anything about. 
So I'm going to play through the Game Boy Advance 1, 2, 3, and I'm probably going to give this one a try. If it's similar to the other ones, that sort of that Metroidvania style, uh, I'll definitely give that a shot. If it's a, you know, classic just uh, action side-scroller, I, I might, I might not. I'm going to pay for it, so why not give it a try? Um, so with that, I think that should do it for this episode. Um, I... This was, again, a very kind of a snap decision episode, and I, I think it was great. I had a lot of fun doing it, and the game itself is tons of fun, and definitely one that I'll play over and over. As I said, I'm playing Harmony of Dissonance now, and I'm, I'm it's okay, but I think maybe after that, I might actually go and play through this one again, and, and, and I'll go through that, you know, the magician, get all the way to the thief, you know, and see what I can do with that, and have fun with that. Um, I, I cannot beat the battle arena, just as an FYI. I like doing that as the fighter. Uh, the magician in the battle arena is useless because you have no MP, so that is like ultra hard mode. Definitely don't want to try that. With all that said, I would like to thank uh, everyone that has listened to the podcast. Uh, I appreciate, uh, appreciate every single person that listens to it. If there's any feedback, any comments, of course, please leave me a review and all that fun stuff. Um, the next episode as I've been doing so far, and it seems to work pretty well, is in that two weeks. I have no clue what I'm going to talk about, and maybe I won't make it a snap decision. Maybe I will. Who knows? As is tradition, I'm going to be ending with a dad joke. I've got a great joke about construction, but I'm still working on it. I hope everyone has a great day, great night, great whatever time it is. Uh, As I said before, thank you very much. I really do appreciate it. Um, Give your loved ones a hug. Give your kids a hug. Give someone a crisp high five. Have a great day. Thank you.